now listening to the Nasty Backpack Podcast. What up, everybody? It's your boy, Nasty Backpack. Got car wash caddy all the fucking shadow. What up, man? What up? Hey, I, I so I listen to I listen to it and I love it. It's it's that's I'm I'm glad you you're starting it. Um, and you sound amazing on there, man. That's, that's a kudos to that. I'm just a dumbass country boy, man. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So what what made you what made you start it? What made you say fuck it? I'm gonna do because I know in the past I, we've gone down this road and uh, and you, before you went with it, you weren't with it at all. And so. Yeah. What made you uh, say, you know what, it's time to do it? Um, well, I needed something to do. <laughs> you That's know, been uh, um, smoking weed and uh, drinking a whole lot less beer, and I got a notebook and everything, so I've been writing again, and um, oh, you know, awesome. it's kind of like doing some things different. Um, Old jackass I worked for in that yard I worked in where I showed you the picture of the, uh, the stone that we laid. Mm-hmm. Um, I came up with a design. I spent the whole day, you know, coming up with a design for the front yard, coming up with a design for the backyard, um, kind of keeping the Western theme that the man wants. And um, But <laughs> this guy owns a furniture store. He ain't coming off of no damn money, man. So. I, I could come up with all the designs I want and present it to him. And um, he, he probably going to think it's great, but he's not going to pay for it. <laughs> you know, so it's just kind of like it was something to sit down and do and smoke pot and, and you know, write and draw pictures, man. It was cool. It was a great day. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, man. I, I love the theme of it, too. I love how you how you got it. Um, and, I, and I'll teach you how to send me those invites and stuff so that uh, – when you when you you know when you when I got time to jump on there, I'm, I'm definitely going to be jumping on there. I'd love to be your first guest. Yeah, um, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, and then you know we'll just get this, get it rolling, man. I, I, but I love what you're doing. I love that you're that you're <clears throat> one drinking less. Uh, yeah. So that that does let us know that you know the weed, the mar- medical marijuana did work, is working. Yeah. You're cutting back. You're thinking differently. Like you're, you're, I'm you're having a those... bowel movement. <laughs> you having a what? I'm having a solid bowel movement. <laughs> your, your bowel movement. Well, that's that's awesome too, man. Hell yeah. Yeah, Hell yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mean awesome. to, I didn't mean to get your listeners into that personally, but you know. Hey, it, that's why this is the nasty backpack podcast, baby. This is how we roll. Anything what? and everything come out on this motherfucker. We, you know, this is just what it did, we do. <laughs> I well, mean, you know. It's like you put water in, you get water out. That's basically the deal, man. Well, my thing is like you gotta meet, you gotta meet, you gotta mirror your client or you mirror the person you're working with. Because if if you're some square and you're trying to mirror somebody that's been on the streets for thirty two years, um, you know you're not gonna get very far with that. And I and I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen in person several times. Uh, I've seen us like even at, at the substance abuse clinic that I worked at. Yeah. I've seen counselors with degrees all this year, these years of schooling. Yeah. Uh, one came in, had all the credentials. Um, and when she started, you know, she had her training. She went through her training. She yeah. mirrored, she mirrored another counselor and, and 
um, shadowed a counselor for a couple couple weeks, and then when it was time for her to be on her own, yeah, she, she froze. Uh, at the clinic <laughs> I worked at, I used I, at the clinic I used to work at. Yeah. Um, it, it used to be an old house, so it had a backyard and shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she would stick bricks on the side of the of the building in the back. Yeah. And anytime she had to stop for a client, she would jump. She would go jump the fence and leave. What the hell was her? Maybe she should have been in the joint, man. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what her struggles were. Um, no but she but she obviously didn't feel comfortable with the clients, you know. And most of our clients, you know, all suffer from an opiate addiction. Yeah. Um, some are homeless, some are from the streets, some are former gang members, some are, you know, just got out of prison, you know, wow. some were just in pain, pain management. I mean, they all, everybody comes from a different walk of life. I know and, what happened uh, to her. She panicked. Oh, I, I know what happened to her. He was sitting at home watching Jerry Springer and one of them commercials popped up and like, do you want to make a lot of money? Um, go to this little technical school and we'll teach you how to be a nurse. And all she saw, all she saw was dollar signs, right? Not knowing exactly what she was getting her ass into. And well, then when- she was, she wasn't a nurse, and okay. in the position that she had, probably didn't pay too too much. Yeah. But because behavioral health just doesn't pay shit, you know, and that's part of the reason why it's so broken, is that yeah. they underpay, overwork and underpay the employees. You know, that's just the way. And it's every it's every facility, it's every clinic, it's every. I don't know why there's not a lot of money in behavioral health, but there is a lot of money in behavioral health. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. Yeah, but where's the money going? What exactly? That's 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 where it's the money's coming in. It's just not. It goes to you know, the upper 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 people, and then it the yeah. the little bit that's left that gets dispersed through everybody else. Well, I can tell you one thing from being at CBI. When I had enough and I wanted to go, um. One of the upper, upper, upper people who's supposedly like a doctor or something, um, I had to do like this, you know, a Q&A thing um, before they let me go. I had to like bullshit my way out of CBI because I didn't want to be there no more. And uh, her main objective was to try to convince me to stay at CBI. And they would give me all these wonderful resources and help me and blah, blah, blah. No, you're going to let me go, woman. I'm sorry. I'd rather be out in the street with the people that I'm living in CBI with, where at least I can get away from them or ask them to leave me alone. And they don't like it. Well, shit, fight's on, you know. But no, it, it's it, it's the mental health system is is it's about generating money. It's like jail. You know, the more people that uh, get run through the jail, the more money the state government sends to the county for the jails, you know. And um, it's the same way with the mental health system. The more people you run through, same with shelters. The more people you run through, the more money you make. It's like a puppy mill, man. I'm not a dollar sign. Take, uh, uh, what do you call it down here? Uh, Transitional Living Center. What's happening, man? Um, You know. I'm sorry, I'm not walking around with your logo on my back. I'm not a fucking dollar sign to, to attract. I, mean, I, I think you know, those you know places I mean? do have a lot of resources, but they do. The but problem I'm is they don't have they don't have the right 
they don't have the right people in there working that are helping the clients that make the clients want to stay. And so oh, yeah. they get the clients end up getting treated bad. And then they're like, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, like this place is not, this place well, is not for me. And yeah. I, I, I hear that shit a lot. I hear it a lot. And I've, I've come across a lot of people that, that are like that. And it's like, I don't, I don't, that's not how I am with my clients. I don't like that. Uh, and I could never be like that because it's just, you know, I care too much to do that. You know, I care too much to, to, uh, to be messing around like that and, and to. Hang on, I got a visitor. What's that, Miss Oh, we love the visitors. No, no, I love Espanol, amigo. Esa comida? Comida? Comida. Uh, it's, uh, it's a dos, uh, Kelly. Hey. Tell me's on, on the Nasty Backpack Podcast to check it out. Okay. I don't think he really cares, dude. <laughs> I can't understand a word the fuck he's saying, dude. I asked him if he wants some food. He's like, yeah, okay, go two blocks down the street, make a oh, left, oh, and then go to, the, go to the big red building, you know? <laughs> but I don't know how to say that in Spanish, so he was just kind of like, okay, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> mm. you know Did he look like he was struggling? Ah, man, he's an old fellow, man. Old Mexican uh, dude. Oh, uh, I got you, I got you. He's got a car. I don't know if he's got a house or not. May uh, oh, maybe maybe he was trying to get you some comida, some some food. Uh, no, I'll go get my own, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, maybe that's maybe that's what he was asking. He was probably just asking you if if uh, if you wanted some food, but because of the language uh, barrier, you guys couldn't understand each other. I don't know what he was saying, dude. <laughs> I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> it has been Martian. Uh, at least that's what it kind of sounded like to me. It kind of sounded like he was uh, just trying to okay. trying to uh, try to get you some food. Maybe you know, you know, people. I'm telling you, people out here, man. Like people do like helping. There is good people out here that have oh, no problem yeah. helping and, and all that. It's just you know, so, there's a lot of people that are, that don't do that and that. So it's like. Because the few that 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 do feel like that, that's that's where you know it, it put it makes everybody else get put in that in that boat. And it's like it's not like that, man. There's a lot of there's a lot of good people out here, and being doing you know outreach and um, different things that I'm doing in the community. Yeah, I'm starting to meet some really really good people, man. Some some people that that uh, you know got a lot of resources and. And a lot of different things, man. Okay, now I'm going to make a point about your resources. Remember them pictures I sent you about the people over here in the park? Mm -hmm. Where they had, you know, underneath that big old tree. And then they had all shopping carts around. And they got their little camp set up and everything. They're leaving all their trash every friggin' where. Um, you know. Uh, it all goes back to the discussion that I had with you. Um, cause these guys, these cats are over here drinking beer this morning when I pass by to go get mine mm -hmm. and they're all cackling like a bunch of chickens and blah, 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 and blah, blah. Um, I mean, it's going to be a rough time trying to find people that actually want to, you know, have a place to live, try to find a job, you know, use the resources that you have to, 
you know, help these people find work and, um, you know, put them to work and just give them a place to stay and then, you know, transition them into, you know, regular housing or whatever. But Oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely an uphill battle. Like anybody that's worked in the, beha- the behavioral health or substance abuse field, like it's always an uphill battle. Like they I, I heard I heard a, a, a statistic that said it takes. Uh, I forgot who wrote it or where the statistic came from, but they said it takes seven, an addict 17 times of treatment before they get it corrected, before they they actually complete it and, and follow through and get clean and stuff. On average, it's like 17 times it takes somebody to try. Um, right. So a lot of the times, like, you know, those people that are at that part, they might have gone to the treatment center, they might have gone to TLC or whatever, and you know, the thing about behavior health is we can't make anybody want the change. Right. We can't, we can't, you know, and I think that's why the numbers of homelessness has gone skyrocket because everybody's getting hooked on blues and they don't want to get off of them. And well, so- that, that in the fact that, uh, I was just watching something this morning, um, about California and like the top 10 places that, um, have the most homeless, um, mm-hmm. Um, the only, the only, um, like New York city, take New York city, for instance, um, they just don't want you there because, well, homeless people are shooting themselves in the foot. They're shitting on the sidewalk. They're peeing on the sidewalk. They're aggressive when it comes to panhandling. Um, they're very disrespectful. So New York just says, fuck it, man. They'll give you a buck. They'll just move you somewhere else. Yeah, that's true, but it's like these people are also struggling. Like they just are like when you yeah. when you're going through your addiction, you don't think the same. Like for you, for you and for like you and for instance, um compared to like three compared to before I met you, right before I met you, yeah. would you say that you, you know, and you would probably drinking a lot more at that time. Would yeah. you say you were thinking the same way you're thinking today with a little bit more clear clearer mind? Uh yeah, um, I think the same way. Exactly the same. I think the podcast. <laughs> where I'm, where I'm drunk or sober, dude. Like I told you on on my introduction tape, man. I stayed yeah, sober. I, mean, well, I, I know, but but you, but you think a little bit. You 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 do. You're just a little bit more cautious about things. You're, you're a little bit more like you. I, think I, things, I, I I have noticed a difference, like. I've noticed the difference just in the first day I met you from from today. Like I and I've seen the difference. Well, so, I, I, I I take more time to uh, think things through. You know what and, I'm saying? And that's and that's all I'm saying right there. That's that's the that's the yeah. difference right there. Yeah, I, I take a little more time. Like, okay, this is something that I want to do, and then you sit and go, okay, if I do this, uh, if I'm if I take this action, what is the reaction going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm drunk, I just fly by the seat of my pants. I don't care. <laughs> you don't like it. That's the second. That's the second time I've heard that statement this week. Fly by the seat What's of my pants. Yeah, man. It's just like, fuck it. What are you gonna do? <laughs> but you know, being sober and for me, uh, you know, smoking the weed. Um, number one, I've eaten a whole hell of a lot more and drank a whole lot less beer, and um. You know, how far, how far, how far away do you think you are from complete sobriety uh, for alcohol? I'll never be sober off of alcohol, man. I don't want to be sober. I'm bipolar. 
my brain going to bounce. I know, but, but I thought I thought the weed was going to help with that. I thought the weed was going to help. Oh, it uh, has. Trust me, it has. Well, yeah. it'll get to a point where, like, I was in Kentucky, man. I had a single wide trailer. I had a Randall half stack with a three hundred foot fifty watt Randall head, a Gibson Epiphone Model SG. I had a, uh, I set a five piece Gretsch Catalina clubs. I went to Rena Center and I bought um, a receiver, a dual cassette deck, and a five disc CD player. I would go to Walmart and make my old lady take me to Walmart, and I'd buy CDs all the music I like to listen to. Mm-hmm. I would wake up in the morning, and um, I mean, I had scales. I was teaching myself guitar too, playing yeah. drums by hand, teaching teaching myself guitar. So I had scales all up on the wall, had a big desk and everything. I had like a studio, man. It was freaking great out in the country, and um, um, I just played music, man. Fourteen hours a day for two months, and every what? time I wanted to drink a beer, I smoked a joint. And man, let me tell you what. I did like they do in AA. I used to drink like two pots of coffee a day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you cut back, then I guess that's that, as long as you cut back. I mean, that's that's a success, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. take it. it. You know. I mean, and eventually, not, who knows? Maybe, maybe from cutting back, maybe you'll cut back a little bit more, cut back a little bit more, and and maybe this podcasting that you just started will start yeah. taking off. And I see this is the way I look at it, man. When when somebody is fucked up on whatever they're fucked up on whether it don't matter what substance <laughs> it is like yeah. if, if it puts you out or even if you're just a little bit productive or you know just if you completely got sober i, I believe that you'll be a hundred percent i'd be nasty i'd be crazy as hell man i gotta have well some i'm talking about from alcohol i'm talking about from alcohol oh man and, if i could have like an ounce in my in my friggin' pocket every month man um, that's well, why I, I mean, transition transition your funds to from the alcohol to the to just weed, and I think I think you could do an ounce in your pocket every every. Well, that, that's why I, um, I like living in Yuma, man. Because when my check would come in, uh-huh. um, you get on the uh, on the YCAT on a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get on the bus at seven thirty. An hour and a half later, you're in El Centro, California. I gotta wait till eleven o'clock, and I got a plug that will deliver out of Mexicali, um, yeah. the dispensary. And um, he'd tell me what he had, and I get announced for one hundred and fifty bucks. And um, it was cool because I get fourteen grams of one kind and fourteen grams of another. Nice. And uh, so I pick whatever he had to offer, and man, he delivered. And, I'd always tip my five bucks, you know, um, for coming up. And then I get back on the bus at three o'clock and ride my butt to fucking Yuma. Get off the bus there about four. And, um, yeah, I'd go get a beer, but man, I would smoke my ass out like a freight train, dude, till I had to eat or go to sleep. <laughs> there you go. And well, it, like it, I said, as long as you're, as long as you're going forward with it, man, that's all that matters. And, yeah. and, um, so we'll definitely get you the refill on that and and um, cool. help you with that. Keep you know, like I said, yeah. the, the most important thing is trying to keep you, um, you know, cutting back and and getting you know, like I said, I don't know if you ever get completely sober, but at least cutting back and 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 just just keep being productive, man. And that's what you're doing. You're doing all that. 
Um, yeah. I like I said, I've definitely seen the change in just that little bit of time, and so that's that's awesome, man. You're definitely progressing. Um, how do you? Uh, did you see that video I sent you with the with the guy in Vegas who was on the drums? No, I didn't get that. You didn't get that video? Mm-mm. Mm, I sent it to you last night, but anyways, it's a, it's a you know he must be a street vendor, and you know he he just got all his, he got all his buckets set up, and he does like. He tells some he tells some jokes while he's getting everybody yeah. involved. He gets the crowd engaged into him, and then he yeah. starts. You know, he gives this spiel about how, how if you donate this much, you'll make his Saturday. If you donate a little bit more, uh, I know what you're talking about. I've seen that guy before. Yeah, hey man, we I think you can get some shit like that going out here in the Grande, man. Uh no, dude, I'm not a showman, dude. I'm not um um. You know, like that guy flipping drumsticks and all that kind of stuff, man. I'm going to straight up sit me behind a four-piece acoustic set with some hi-hats um, and a uh, 16-inch crash and a 20-inch ride, and I'm on it, man. Um, I'm not in the And the reason, I, the reason I said that is because you, you got a good location right there with the barbershop, and if you're getting good – and I'm pretty sure you're getting in pretty good with the, with the, with the owner as far as him being okay with you being there. You know, he might yeah. not. He might look the other way if you had like a little drum set set up right there where you're at, and you know you're just pounding the shit out of it. You know what I mean? But if, well, if you were able to do like a little sh- add the showman shit into it, then you can do that to his clients, and and you know you might get a little tip out of it too. Well, um, I'm not when I when I sit behind a set of drums, I'm not much uh, into showmanship. I'm not like one of those eighty hair metal bands where you know flipping the sticks and all that kind of crap. I'm just yeah. straight up drumming, man. You know, I'm one. I'm like, I don't know if you ever watched Stevie Ray Vaughan play guitar, man. Mm-mm. But um, when that man closes his eyes and he's gone, he's gone. He's on. A, he's, he's not on that stage. He's somewhere else, dude. And that's the way it is when I play drums, man. I got the music on. It's catching the groove and my soul, man. Um, I, I just go hunched over, man. I close my eyes and. I don't have to see my drums. I know where they are and I know what sound I'm looking for. And um, I, I'm not, I'm not no Keith Moon, dude. That's for damn sure. <laughs> I just like to play, dude. You know, I get into it, man. If I feel it, um, I jam it, dude. And um, that's, that's the way I play it. It's kind of like I hear it and then I, I feel what I'm listening to and it comes out on my drums, man. And uh, that's just the way I play. I, I'm not going to, Change probably never will. That's just the way I play. I ain't no shit. I'm just the guy in the back keeping the beat with the bass player. <laughs> and let the I know, let but the being on these streets, you ain't gonna have a bass player. You're gonna have you're gonna have yourself. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to uh I, I think you can figure it out though. I think you're good, I think you're a good enough drummer where you'll be able to put it together, you know, wherever you put it together at. But um, Well let, let's put it this way. Uh when I first started playing on the street, um you know, I was playing like mundane stuff like ACDC, you know, Back in Black and all that. Just kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a few little syncopations in some of the songs, but as a person driving by, you know, it's it, to you, it's boring, you know. But uh, what I did was is uh, I watched clinics by Joe Morello, Jojo Moyer, uh, Joe Jackson, old drummer from way back in the day, and, and, and learned technique. And once yeah. I learned that technique, 
I added it to just playing mundane songs. So if I'm listening to a song, you don't know what I'm listening to. I'm listening to it. So basically, I'm going to play the song, but I'm going to throw some shit in the middle that I'm going to fill and make it interesting for your ears to listen to. So you go, what the hell is that guy doing? You know what I'm saying? I hear <laughs> you. you. That, little, that's, that's important. You got to put a little sugar on the Frosted Flake, man. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Even though they got sugar, more sugar is always good. <laughs> more sugar is always good, man. Yeah, baby. Make it sweet. <laughs> Anyways, how, how's this? Uh, how's these last couple nights been? I haven't talked to you in a, in a couple days. Um, how's everything been? Um, well, I found a new spot. Uh, you found a new spot? To, yeah, remember the picture of the barbershop I showed you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been sleeping over there because it's getting a little hectic out here. Uh, all this, uh, all the cretins from Pierce Park are starting to spread out at night. Even some of the spots that I I sit at during the day, um, yeah, they're uh, they're starting to float out with their shopping carts and all this, and they're smoking dope and all that good stuff. So I sit there and enjoy the shade till they show up, and when they do, I just get up and go somewhere else, man. I gotta find out when like their next like meetings are like like the meetings at like, town hall or whatever the whatever they have in the Castle Grand. I gotta find out when that is. Do you know when that is? Right across the street, dude. Huh? City Hall's right across the street. You can just go in there at any time. Uh, you gotta go in um when they have the city council meeting. You just gotta find out when uh when they uh-huh. hold their city when they hold their city council meeting, yeah. and it gives uh, an opportunity uh for the public uh, to come in and discuss whatever it is uh, that they want to discuss with the city council. And um, I think you get like three minutes or something like that. And, you know, it's all politics. So they just go, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, and um, whether your idea kicks or not, it's up to the city council. They'll take your ideas and accept them, but whether they actually take action, uh, and put it into play because they think it's a good idea for the community. Well, I mean, I mean, I think I got, I think we got, I think we got some pretty good ideas, you know, like. Oh, I know um, I got some good ideas. I'll tell you that. Yeah, you know what I mean, like that. You know, just from talking to you, you know, some of the videos you sent me. Um, yeah. Man, there's some good stuff in there, man. I, I, I really do watch them when I got time, and. Um, yeah. I think I think they got to get. I think we've had to get involved a little bit more involved now before we end up like Tempe, like we end up like Mesa, like we end up like Phoenix, you know, like because you know, just kind of seeing it, seeing it firsthand, being down there, being in the trenches. Um yep. it's uh it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy well, out there. And, and it's only gonna get it's only gonna get worse. So Well, I'm uh, telling you, my friend, right now that wave is coming. Because uh, there's uh, more people at the park, and those people are starting to spread out uh, into this, you know, certain sections of this part of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, the spot I have now, uh, I like it because, you know, I'm a customer at that place, and um, I've tipped them very well when I can. And um, the guy that is the main dude, I guess. He sees me out there, well, like for the last two nights, he's seen me out there. He waved at me yesterday, and today he just walked by, man. He didn't say nothing. Based on the fact that 
Um, I respect the fact that the man's got a business to run. And, um, you know, like everywhere else, you know, I pick up my garbage. There's a garbage can right there. Um, you know, I pick up my garbage. I make sure the area is clean, you know, looking like it was when I squatted there for the night. And um, I don't ever have any problems with people. Um, yeah. So, um, but you now know, I come I down here. Huh? I'm sure he definitely appreciates, appreciates that because then he also, you know, he probably also, uh, I mean, I'm sure he has cameras and he watches the cameras and he sees, he sees how you're there and he sees you're not, you know, you're not, you pick up your mess and you're not hanging out and just being, you know. Dude, yeah. this is a little pop uh, barbershop. There are no cameras on that damn building. <laughs> There's no cameras? Nope. <laughs> oh, you're not, at the, you're not at the other barbershop anymore? Uh, no, I kind of laid off that joint, man, because, uh, um, I started getting, uh, because I'm like right out on the boulevard, I started getting a lot of riffraff that comes around at night mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they want a cigarette and, you know, I'm fucking sleeping and they're like, sir, are you asleep? No, I'm just laying here acting dead. You dumb fuck. What the fuck? What the fuck, man? You know what I mean? What the shit? And it was like this, uh, like I had to use the porta potty here at the park yesterday morning mm-hmm. and, uh, I had to go like real bad, so I had to run to the porta potty. So I didn't get a chance to roll up my sleeping bag and pack everything. So I just carried everything, ran to the porta potty, and um, just threw my sleeping bag and my uh, used my backpack to keep the door open. Mm-hmm. And um, so I didn't get busted for indecent exposure. Uh, you know, I didn't have my pants all the way down around my ankles. I had, you know, I was covered up. Yeah. And she by and she's like, "Are you using the bathroom?" I was like, no, I just thought I'd sit here because I look good in the little green box. <laughs> <laughs> a-, a lady said that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Wow. Oh, yeah, I'm taking a shit. Leave me alone. <laughs> like, that's, of course that's I'm pretty, using the bathroom. brave of a lady to just walk up and, you yeah. know, like, if I'm walking by and I see you taking a shit, the door's half open and shit, I'm just going to keep walking. You know? okay, yeah, you can walk the other way. Yeah, yeah she you know. stopped and was like, are, are you using the bathroom? <laughs> no, I think I look good sitting here. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, well, you don't have to keep the door open. Well, you don't have to look either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Keep on walking. Keep on walking. Yeah, you know you know what I'm doing? I'm sitting in a fucking toilet. And I'm Protecting sitting down. Shit from getting stolen. Yeah, I'm shitting out some big wall. Okay, leave me alone. <laughs> Big wall at the big wall. Shout out to big wall. Hey, I actually ate there a couple times, and me and my wife love it. I had uh, I don't know what it's called, but it it looks like little um chicken things, and then they give you this big cup of that uh red sweet sauce. Oh, so like some sweet and sour chicken. Uh, that's what it's called. The red stuff is sweet and sour sauce, so the chicken's pretty dry. It's just dry chicken, and then you yeah. dip it in there, and that's the sweet and sour. Yeah, it looks like a little chicken nugget. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's what that's sweet and sour chicken. That's 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 amazing. I love sweet and sour chicken. That's just good, man. <laughs> I haven't had it from there yet, but I, I'm a fan of sweet and sour chicken. Like Me that too. red sauce, just that it just makes it amazing. I don't know what it is in there, but I like the duck sauce on the egg rolls too. Oh yeah, duck sauce is good. The egg rolls are good too. I don't think their egg rolls are real, but um, 
Man, you dip them in that, that bread sauce. Man, that shit's good. Put a little salt on it. Yeah. There's a spot in Phoenix that got some uh, some pretty good egg rolls. Like, they're nice and fat and, and beefy. And, yeah. Yeah, those, those are my kind of egg rolls. Fat and beefy. No, these look like a little uh, uh, Vianney sausages. They yeah. look like Vianney sausages stuffed with coleslaw. <laughs> oh, there it is. But they're cheap, man. It's like a dollar a piece. So, you know, if I'm down to it and I'm hungry, I'll just go in there and, you know, get whatever I can get as far as egg rolls. Like, I don't know. Well, like the other night, I went and bought four of them. And, man, I was stoned as hell, dude. <laughs> and I, I ate all four of them. I said, fuck it. I went back and got me four more. <laughs> I ate two of them and saved the other two for the morning. <laughs> oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. How's uh, the huh? temperature? Has it has it been sleeping out there um, of lately? Oh man, it's beautiful, dude. You can't beat it. The temperatures have dropped a little bit. It's getting nice, nice and. Uh... Oh man, it's only fifty-five degrees. No, that's that's why I like it. Actually, that's that's my kind of weather. I hate I hate the heat. Um, well, I sleep on top of the sleeping bag uh, when I first go to bed, and then. Uh, one thing you notice from living out here is, you know, when it's about five o'clock, because uh, the sun, um, you know, takes a lot longer to come up. Usually, like during the summer, you know, the sun's up at like five thirty, but mm. now it don't come up until, you know, it doesn't start coming up until about six o'clock, and um, it's always coldest uh, right before the sun comes up. Um, so, like, say about, I don't know sleeping on top of my sleep bag got my sweatshirt on um i knew when the time of day is starting to change and the sun's getting ready to come up because it starts getting cold it starts getting chilly and that's when it's time to climb into the sleeping bag and um you know uh wait for the morning time and uh but i oh shit i wake up like this morning i woke up at like i don't know well this morning was a good morning i woke up at about five o'clock yeah other mornings, I, uh, I, huh? I came across the video and I saw, uh, I think it was in Philadelphia. Yeah. And um, man, the homeless population out there is crazy. Like, everybody's just, um, you know, it's just, like, there's some areas that just look like zombie land. And oh, well. that's what and, it is. Yeah, it was it was sad it was sad to see man because it was like shit like it's just nothing I've never I've ever seen before and it was just I was just like wow this is kind of this is kind of bad well there's like over uh 600 and well there's over 600,000 people homeless all across the country yeah good portion of them are veterans um I've met a few, and um, uh, but all these like Dallas, they came up with this program called the Bridges, and you start out sleeping in a warehouse on a mat like you get to jail, and then you kind of work your way up. They give you a counselor and all that kind of stuff, and this place promised because in the Dallas Fort Worth area there were forty thousand people on the street sleeping in the city in parks, uh, doing drugs, whatever that you know those kind of kids do. Um, and this, this program prompted the city of 
out that by the year 2014, there would be no more homeless people on the street. Wrong. There's still homeless people on the street in Dallas, man. There's no program that has ever been designed um, to actually get people off the street. I watched a video this morning. There are some people that just would rather live in the street, you know? So if that's the case, give them a place where they can go. If they want to be in the street during the day, fine. But I think if they had a place to go, you know, to sleep at night where they could lock up their stuff, use a bathroom, take a shower, do their laundry, um, you know, and at least try to live, you know, like a human being. Um, yeah. Okay. But, I mean, it's like me, man. You ain't taking me out of the street. You might give me a place to stay. But all it is is a place where I'm going to sleep at night. I'm going to be right back out here doing what I do. Because um, I like it outside. It's fun. It's not fun. Sometimes it sucks. But, you know, I get to be there. Um, you know, I get to do what I want to do. Um, you know, and, and it's cool. I don't bother anybody. Um you know, I'm not one of these people that hang out with a large group of people or like over here at the park, cackling, hackling, and gossiping about what homeless Joe did to homeless Bob. You know, fuck that shit. I better sit and listen to some music or come up with a podcast and think about dumb shit to talk about. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 facts, man. That's facts. That's that's they gotta come up with something, man. I don't know. I, I I think that's what I think that's what I'm gonna be focused on trying to make happen is something going forward and and some kind of some kind of program that you know because Casa Grande is a perfect spot to start a pilot like that. You know what I mean? There's a lot of land, there's a lot of empty buildings, there's a lot of you know, and the is going up and the homeless population is going up. So oh definitely. Um, you know the, these parks they're, they're not the, they're not the spot they're not the spot for that and you know we got to make a better spot for that no you got to get them um well like the house you were telling about on trickle um but you got to kind of do like the thc thing where you got to be able to get them in the town to get the groceries um you know get them to work get them to doctor's appointments and stuff like that because mm -hmm. they are way outside because in the city here like I told you before, these people have NIMBY disease. They, they want the problem taken care of, but not in their backyard. And right now, the problem is in their backyard, and there's nothing being done about it. The programs aren't working. It's a long backlog of waiting and waiting and waiting. Um, and, and you just kind of get to the point where, like, screw it. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. You know, 10 years to wait for a house through HUD? That's ridiculous. While the guy running Hood is designing his friggin' house with ten thousand dollar pieces of furniture, Come do you on, think? Man. Do you think they're uh, like if somebody was forced into treatment, went to treatment? Um, how many? Uh, how many? How many? How long do you think they need to be in there before they're like if they had to stay in there, they could not leave whatsoever? It was pretty much like jail. You can't leave. How long do you think somebody would have to be in there to get right? 
Well, number one, you can't jail people because they have an addiction. That's just not right. You can't make somebody stay somewhere, especially. No, I'm, not saying, I'm, not, I'm not saying jail. I'm not, right. uh, but like in treatment, because honestly, like I look at it right now, man, and just from doing outreach. Yeah. Shit's not working out here, man. It's not working. Like, and, and it's no, it, nobody's no, like, it seems like nobody's doing nothing. But at the end of the day, somebody will, we leave it where you'll get clean when you want to get clean. And what happens is people don't want to get clean. People, that's not on people's agenda. And, you know, they're on their agenda. It's like, fuck, what am I going to eat the next day? Where am I going to get the next fix? Where am I going to sleep at? Like, how do I replace the shit that just got stolen? Like, here's uh, the, here's the word I'm going to use again, my friend. You have to give someone incentive to want to get out of the street. People out here just aren't going to say, oh, yeah, great. You're going to give me a place to stay and I can take a so shower. Do you think, do you think the government is doing it wrong then? Because I, I feel like the government's giving a lot of incentives. But what incentive is the government giving? Well, especially with COVID. I mean, there's a lot of COVID exempt, uh, uh, incentives. Like like a lot of a lot of extra money out there that's that's getting no, that, a lot, no. that a lot of people got a lot of yeah, got no. ended in the hands of a lot of people that are on the streets homeless. No. People are like cats, especially homeless people. You know what a well, I know you know what a feral cat is, right? Mm-hmm. Stray cat shows up in your yard, and you feel bad for him because he's looking all raggedy and everything, and you start feeding him and you start taking care of him. What's that cat going to do? He's going to keep coming back to that same damn spot. Why? Because he knows he's got a place to sleep, and he knows he's going to get fed. And you kind of basically want the cat to go away, but he's not going to. And that's basically what the programs are doing with all these giving out. So are they giving the incentives in the wrong form? Is that what's going on? Because... Um, well, there's no incentive in sitting in a park getting fucked up drunk and having some old man come and give you water and a goddamn uh, a, a freaking sandwich. What yeah, are you going to- if you're in the park, if you're in the park drunk and you get, were able to pay for that that alcohol with with unemployment or and you didn't have a, you know you haven't had a job in 35 years, 20 years, 10 years, 5 years, but somehow you're getting that uh unemployment, the- ain't that ain't that an incentive? Ain't that some kind of like not an incentive to get better, but you're getting some. I think the government looks at that as an incentive, and I think that's how they look at it. Man, all the government is doing is wasting fucking money. I want you to watch a movie called a Requiem for the American Dream. I've seen it. About, I love uh, it. Uh, you seen that movie? Love that movie. I love that movie too. Did you get the movie I sent you uh, called The Corporation? Uh, I got it, but when I saw how long it was, I was like, shit, I don't got time to do- watch this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, heard I, got bored I, was on my, I was on my way to work and shit. I was like, oh, shit. About to say <laughs> yeah, that. I, 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 I was like, this is boring. I had to go watch some drag racing or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, actually, I started, I started, like, I turned it on and everything, and but it was like, shit, I, got, I'm, I have to clock in. I, don't got, I can't. But I can't see, that's, that's, right the, that's the truth of the matter, man, is it's not about, uh, Helping people or anything like that. Like George Carlin said, you know why there's no money? Uh, you know why nobody helps home, the homeless? Because there's no fucking money in it. The only money that's being made is by the shelters, the 
food banks, uh, you know, all these other organizations. And um, that's, they're making money. They give a shit about you, me, or the goddamn light post. As long as they're running you through their system. And you yeah. can show that you, you ran these many people through your system. Then the federal government's going to pay the state government. The state government's going to pay that organization. That's how it works. It's not about getting people off the street. It's about corporations making money. And that's the part that sucks. There is no incentive in just giving somebody $400 a week so they can make it. I can but dig it, if, you know, just to I, make it. I think, honestly, I think that's how our government looks at it. I think our government looks at it like that. So that's how they feel like they're, they're helping their, uh, or, you know, doing whatever they think they're doing. I don't think they're doing shit. Um, what they're not thinking about is the future, my friend. Who's going to pay for all this? Your kids? Your your great, great grandkids? What are we leaving behind for our children? Nothing but a mountain of debt. And now we got people in politics bickering with each other. These are educated, grown people acting like a bunch of fifth graders on a freaking sandlot at an elementary school. Come on, man. How, how is America supposed to grow up and get better again when our government is the example that we have to follow? I think the government needs to set a better example and get some shit done instead of infighting. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. Who gives a fuck, man? I don't care. I'm neither one. I don't care for Joe Biden or Donald Trump or Barack Obama or any of the other goddamn presidents where they got an R and a D in front of their name. I don't care. Because they don't care about us. It's all about their damage in. And paying lobbyists to uh, influence uh, the decision of a vote so that big corporations can make money and fuck the rest of us. So how is it that my government loves me? It's not about we the people anymore, man. It's about me, the government, and how I can care myself and, and live on a big billion-dollar yacht and have a so- big house in Georgetown. Politics. No, I hear you. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't trying to no. go to politics at all. I was no. just. I was I just. I was just telling you that there. I feel like there's a lot of incentives out there. You know, you get. You got insurance that you got. You get free insurance that covers covers most people, especially people that are on the street. Um, and, you know, so all like they have access to treatment centers. They have access to all these things, but they're not using it because they don't, like I said, they don't, they don't want to, a lot of people don't want to get clean. And um, when you don't want to get clean, you're not going to get clean. And so pretty much. I, like to me, I feel like this will never, if we don't, if we don't adjust that, this, the way things are going, yeah. then, you know, like my thing is like, okay, if you get a drug charge, don't throw them in jail for this drug charge. Put them on four years of probation where you know they're going to fail. You know they're going to, um, you know, it's just not going to, it's just not going to go good, you know? And probation is a way to and, keep you in the system. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. And, you know, but I feel like they should, you should, you know, instead of putting them in jail, put them in treatment. Put them in treatment. And, um, you know, instead of spending that year in, in jail, spend that year in treatment where, you know, and let's see what happens. 
I think you'll come out a, a different person. Well, I'm not. I'm not quite familiar with drugs like heroin or meth or anything like that. I know for me personally, um, um, I quit the meth cold turkey, man. I looked at myself in the mirror and told that naked hooker to get herself dressed and get out of my room. Because I yeah. looked at myself and I was like, fuck this. I ain't walking around looking like a skeleton. But and you I know quit. what? You're, you're one of the few, man, because I, I meet with a lot of people on the daily and, and especially, like, I, I specialize in, in opiates. Yeah. Uh, but... A lot of people, the people that are stuck on meth, they feel like they're they that they're good, if, especially the ones that come to our clinic. They feel like they're good because they're no longer doing opiates, only doing the meth. And there's a lot of those people they haven't touched the opiate in like four or five years, but they're 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 smoking meth every single morning. It's like, yo, like what? Just you're still in the same boat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now you now you got this other habit, and, and when is that happening? Gonna when is that going to get addressed? When is that going to get fixed? You know, well, we're going to start working on that. And some of them are like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get, stop doing that. I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, all right, well, this is why you got to come to the clinic every day. Or yeah. this is why, you know, you're never, you're always going to be, you're never going to be in a better position because you, you haven't yet fixed the problem. You fixed the opiate problem, Yeah, the opiate problem, but you really haven't even fixed that because you're smoking meth that has fentanyl in it. So you're still at the end of the day <laughs> an opiate addiction that you don't. <laughs> Which kind of defeats the, That's where the struggle it, comes in. You know, like some people just don't want to, they just don't want it, you know? And well, if, um, you, if you cut, if you cut meth with fentanyl, isn't that kind of taking the kick out of meth, dude? Come on, man. Well, I mean, some people like that, man. They, they, and you're starting to see a lot more people overdose on meth than than before, you know. You can overdose on meth. There's people doing it, yeah. With fentanyl, in it, yeah. Because oh, think about it, you don't know how much fentanyl is in that in that meth. So, yeah, yeah people are overdosing on meth now. So it's, that wasn't a thing before. Well, I remember uh, talking to you uh, a while back about when I was in um, uh, El Cajon. Mm -hmm. California, um, whoever was cooking, uh, figured out a way to make black tar heroin. Oh yeah. Uh, or oh, yeah. Throw, they made, they made fentanyl look like black tar heroin. Yeah. So they're, still, they're, doing heroin. That, they're doing that more now than ever. Yeah. As a matter of well, fact, uh -huh. heroin addicts can't even find heroin anymore. So they all turn to fentanyl. Thank you. They say shit. Why make it? Uh, why make it look like black tar heroin? We can just get them hooked on the fentanyl. We don't got. We can just, you know. Now they got it in powder. They got it in heroin. People are shooting it up. Um, it's yeah. a business, man. It, it's it's yeah. never going to end. It's it's a it's a friggin' business. It, it, it is. It is a business, but but I mean, I think we could do something. I think we do something to fix it. Reverse. I think honestly, I feel yeah. like our government has planted it the same way they did it with the coke. They just did it in a different form this time. They they got a different, you know. They can't do. They can't go to run the same play twice. You know how you you know how you end it. Um, you go after the pharmaceutical companies who are producing this, knowing that it, it's going to be an addictive drug. 
And the only reason why they produce it is because they know how addictive it, that it is and that they're going to make money off of it. Pharmaceutical company don't give a fuck if you overdose. They don't give a shit if you cut it with uh, you fentanyl to cut heroin or you fentanyl to cut meth. They don't give a shit. As long as them pills are coming out of that goddamn factory and into the, uh, into the CVS or wherever, and people got prescriptions for it, those people are going to make money off of distributing it. And Kentucky, they have to do the same thing with hydrocodones, oxycotton. You got somebody that's got a prescription for oxycotton or hydrocodone, they go to the pharmacy, they get the prescription, and then they hand it out. And people go and sell the shit. Yeah. Um, and that's how it's distributed. So the pharmaceutical company is the head of the friggin' snake. You cut off the head of the snake, well, there's you solve your problem. Snake is dead. But it's all about profit over but- people. From what I heard, a lot the, the fentanyl is all being produced in China, so that's the that's where the hair needs to get cut off at, because well, it, we're getting our shipments here, but that the people that are using it on the street are not getting you know they're not getting prescriptions of this shit anymore from the doctors. You know the doctors are using it for the, the shipments that we're getting it it in. You know pharmaceutical companies are not really setting out fentanyl, and with a lot of the regulations they got put in, they're not they're not prescribing a lot of the stuff they were prescribing before. They got people hooked on, on opiates. Now, they're prescribing yeah. benzos, you know, Seroquin. There's the, uh, you know, different antidepressants, and that's what they're <laughs> that's what they're getting everybody hooked on now. And you know, it's starting to see people a lot of people hooked on on benzos now. And then once that prescription gets it? cut off, then they go start buying the street benzos that are also cut with fentanyl. So where does it end? I mean, what to what, me, this is this is what this is where I was going with this. So where I think it ends is is that you got to make treatment mandatory, you know. Um, and if you don't make it mandatory, then people, like I said, people ain't gonna want to do it. And um, you got to make it mandatory to people that are struggling with getting charged with, you know, and instead of and, and you got to have all the wraparound services in place. You got to have, you know, you can't, you got to have them complete the program and then have services outside of, of those services once they complete it and they're back in the free world where they can, they'll have a job ready for them. They'll have some kind of housing ready for them, something, you know, um, because what I see happening is that they're, they're buying these hotels out and putting the homeless in there, but I don't think anybody's getting the proper treatment where they're, you know, they're in those, they're in those programs, but they're not, they're still struggling where it's like, like that, that home, that those, those hotels should be for the aftercare. When you complete the program and you're ready to go back into society, you go into those hotels and that's where you live at until you start transitioning out of that life out of there. And, you know, like I said, you get out of it when you complete the treatment part of it, that should be mandatory anywhere from shit. I think six months is a fair pro. I think that's like a like the perfect number. 18, bro. 18, 18 months. What it takes to get it completely. The desire well, for alcohol. And uh, I think 
honestly, if you actually really go on the street and talk to the people that are in the streets that, you know, that are struggling just like yourself, if, and, and I'm not going to put, I'm not going to say you because I already know your stance on this, but people that are struggling with fair and all that, that know they're struggling, they'll tell you like, I have to be, I have to go to jail for this. I have to go to prison before I, before I get to get clean. And it's like, it's no, you don't, got, you don't got to go to prison. We, we shouldn't have to send you to prison to get clean. We should have, we should, I'd rather send you the treatment yeah. and, and, you know, actually really focus. Cause sometimes you go to prison and it's worse in the streets. And then, you know, yeah. now you're living by the prison code and you, you know, then the prison politics come in place and, yeah. And it's just like there's there's nothing, you know. It it's it's a cycle. It's just gonna cycle back around again, and you're not, you know, you're gonna get out of the prison, and you're gonna go right back to using again. Yeah. And instead of instead of putting people in jail, I think we should put them in treatment and have you know mandatory inpatient facilities that you know you can't you can't come out of you know for for I would say six months, eighteen months. That's that's more like jail to me. No, 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 but no, no. I, I, Look at it this way, man. If 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 make money through an eighteen month program, have the program set up to where they know they're going to be there for eighteen months, but they still are, you know, free to get a ride to the grocery store, buy their food, and um, you know, um, you know. The simple, you know, basics of, you know, coming back to the real, you know, laundry, food, cooking, cleaning your own house and everything like you that. You know, there, there, there is facilities that are like that. But what happens is that these people go back out there and they go hang out with their friends and they go hang out with, you know, they go they go out and then they end up fucking up. I, I actually have a girl, a young lady that I'm working with. Um that um she's in a facility like that where she's able to leave and um you know she she fucked it up and and came back and was out there probably smoking fentanyl and hanging out with the people that she was hanging out with got stuck with some couple guys and um you know and it's just like like that, girl, like that's, that's because that's, that's because we set them up went, for failure. You know what I mean. When we give when we give that kind of freedom, we kind of just set them up for failure. And oh, don't don't give them the freedom, because you know damn well it's what they're gonna do. They're gonna go mess up. They need to be supervised. So supervised. yes, take them take them to the grocery store, and drop them off, and walk into the grocery store with them. Push the shopping cart. I don't care. Let them pick out whatever food they want, and then you know they go pay for it with their food stamps. And then bang, you load them back in the truck with their groceries, and you take them back to, to campus. Don't let these be. You already know that if I'm walking down the street by myself and I see a liquor store, where the fucking first place you think I'm going? I'm going yeah. to a liquor store. So yeah. you, you just can't release them to the wild, you know, and back into the so, same environment that they came from. They need so to that would kind of be like my proposition on, on how I would kind of set up things. But I, I like I like your touches on it. I like those touches where you say you know <clears throat> they're able to go to the store and and, and you know yeah. But you gotta watch them, man. You can't just let them go out and back into the same place where they came from. But then, and, um, 
you know, if you, you know, if you have, if you build a facility like that, that though, that would have to be like when you're further along in your, your program to kind of earn those privilege type of privileges so that you're able we, to, um, you know. Oh, you're not just going to come in and go, oh, look, I got a place to stay and I can go get groceries. No, you got to earn that shit. You're going to start out at the bottom like everybody else. And you're going to have to uh, show that this is what you really want. And, you know, you got to do chores, work in the kitchen, whatever. I don't care. Uh, but you got to show that, okay, this is the, the road that you want to travel. And then once, you know, you got a counselor and everything. And, you know, you make a certain amount of progress over a certain amount of time. Okay, then you get to move up the left. No, we're not just going to throw you in a house and take you to the grocery store. But you got to earn yeah. this. Yeah, I guess maybe that's maybe that's part of that eighteen month program. Maybe after like six months, you get transitioned into that kind of where you got those kind of privileges and you got your cell phone and yeah. I, I like where this is heading, man. I, I really do. I like I like these kind of conversations because this is where I think we both kind of agree for the first time on on a lot of things and yeah, uh, yeah man. So what well, well um. We gotta get we gotta get this shit piloted and cast it ground somehow, some way. Like we need to go. Um, if y'all, if, if my, if the viewer, if listeners are in cast ground, we need to set some kind of petition up to kind of start something like that. You know, we'll let cast ground be the the first, the pilot of this shit because, like, you know, it's only a matter of time before cast ground gets like Phoenix. You know, and and hopefully we get this shit out to Phoenix and the Mesa and the. And those bigger cities that are really, really struggling, right. and um, you know, kind of get them get you know get more people into treatment, because if you're suffering from like at least an opiate treat, uh, and you know you 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 have all forms of it there, you know you have you're able to take care of every every uh, whatever people are struggling with. That's what we're able to fix everything, but yeah. uh, you know people that are right now with the opiate. Uh, epidemic that's going on you know there's a lot of people that can use that right now those kind of services and uh, and for at least for that you know methadone and treatment that that's the way to get off of off the opiates yeah well the only the biggest problem that we're going to run into is that there are too many people and not enough people working the services so you're going to have a log jam. I mean, this is, this is something that our, our our federal government needs to look into. You know, this is, yeah. you know, because we're giving a lot of handouts. We're giving a lot of handouts. Yeah. And and the, it's just, you know, it's it's going right back into the streets. A lot of a lot of those a lot of people are getting those getting, you know, getting money. They're, they're staying. They'd rather stay in the streets because that's where the dope is at. That's where. That's where their friends are at, you know. All the all the government's doing is throw good money after bad, my friend. And yeah. they keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. Well, and that's how they wish you wash it, you know. That's how they wish you yeah. washed it. Yeah. And you know, you gotta, you and know. The government is good for that shit, man. They just throw good money after bad. I feel like I feel like that, I feel like that's what happened in the in the eighties with the with the crack, with the crack. But they just they just had a different drug had a different poison and they and they laid it out a different way man do, do you remember uh well i was living in maryland as a kid at the time and 
downtown Annapolis, I met a, a gentleman named uh, Donald Brown. He played football for the University of Maryland. He was a red shirt from Oklahoma. And um, me and him got to be good friends. I got to meet his mom and everything. He's a cool dude, man. I got a football from the Cherry Bowl. Uh, it was a ball he intercepted. And he came to my house and knocked on the door and gave it to me. I was like, kick ass, dude. It was cool. I put that thing in a glass frame, man. It was cool as shit. Um, but, uh, uh, shit, I lost my train of thought. Um, do you remember Lenny Bias? No. Oh, he he would have gave Michael Jordan a run. Lenny Bias was at the University of Maryland. Yeah. Michael Jordan was at the University of Carolina at the time. And it's around about the time that cool crack stuff started kicking. DC, this wasn't yeah. no cut shit, man. This was pure fucking. They either called it paint or they called it butter. Butter looked like a stick of butter. Pink, just that. It was pink. Man, you take one sliver off that stuff and, and put it in your pipe and smoke it, you're done. You're gone for days. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it, uh, I got to meet Lenny Bice, man. He's a real humble old man. Uh, he's a cool old fellow. And, uh, but he was just partying with a bunch of his friends one night. Oh, some crack. Who's white did it? I don't know. Um, it blew up his heart. He died. And then all his friends that he was smoking with just left him in the hotel room. <laughs> wow. The guy that came to the room found him dead on the bed. You know, even even uh, I've heard those type of type of stories before, like that. Mm-hmm. Well, a friend yeah. of mine. Why you bring the fucker here? Like, you can't handle his drugs. You know, yeah. get rid of him. Let's go. We gotta go. Party over. Well, it's like a, it's like a friend of mine. Um, uh, same thing, man. He was a basketball player. He's a real good basketball player, but he lived in uh, one of the bad neighborhoods near the high school, and. Uh, Jamaicans moved into that shit, and they came to collect. Hey, how you doing? And um, uh, he owed he owed the Jamaicans four hundred dollars, and he didn't have it. What they do? He cut off his head, threw it in a dumpster, and then dumped the rest of the body behind the dumpster. We didn't see that guy for like a week. I said, dude, where, where's this guy at? Now, at the time, I was the only white guy that could walk into a black ghetto, man. <laughs> yeah, without getting hit up for crack. They knew who I was. So I could walk in, I was just like, hey, my friend Tom, and I was like, hey, uh, what happened to Steve, man? I don't know. We haven't seen him for a week. A week later, they found him. It cut off, body dumped behind him, over $400. Crack. Yeah, they don't play. Those dealers don't play about their money. No, fuck no, they don't. They don't play with money, and uh, I don't know, man. I don't. It's, I don't know. It's a, it's gonna be an uphill battle, man. But we're gonna we're gonna figure it out, man. We're at least at least get enough people kind of thinking in the right direction. You know, we put a lot of good minds together. Yeah. You know, we might be able to get some kind of handle on this. I mean, um, well, what we need is a vaccine for NIMBY disease. <laughs> Not in my backyard. Okay, well, check it out. Okay. Everything's cool. No, no, what was that? Yeah. Um, well, we just need to get people over, you know, the the idea of, oh, my God, my neighborhood's going to get ruined. You're bringing people that do drugs into my neighborhood. 
No, they're not doing drugs. I'll tell you this right we now. Have a strict, people, we have a, those people, if you don't get them in treatment, those people are going to be in your neighborhood regardless. Like, thank you. It's going to happen. Like, I've already had, living where I live, they already broke into my truck. Like, and really? it's, a brand new, it's a brand new subdivision. Not even a year really? old. And they're breaking in your shit already? They got into my truck already. What they steal? Uh, my my computer, my work computer. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, this was this so was like can't. this is like three months ago. I mean, they can't they can't get into the computer whatsoever. It's it's more yeah. of an inconvenience thing, you know. It's all they really did. One, the computer is not even really worth much if you yeah. took it anywhere. Two, yeah. you don't have the charger for it. Three, yeah. you, you can't you're not gonna be able to get into it because our IT. You know, any corporation's IT program, unless yeah. you're a badass fucking hacker, which if you're breaking <laughs> into trucks, then you're not a very good hacker. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, it's it's just one of those things, but. Cool, um, get that. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean? It just, it, it, it's just, they're going to be in your neighborhood regardless if you don't, if you, if we don't get some kind of handle on this because. They got it. They got to feed. They got to feed the addiction. And and hey, they'll still from their mama. They'll still from their mama. They won't. They have no fucking. They, they ain't gonna give a fucking stone from you. Well, wouldn't it be better if they were in your neighborhood in a contained area, and of course. you know, you know that <laughs> you're getting help and treatment, and they won't break into your trucks anymore. Um, exactly. Wouldn't you feel more secure that they're in an area where they're getting what they need to just clear their head? Or would you rather have a on your last uh, while your kids play on the playground? Take your pick. Me, personally, I don't care. There's a big dirt lot over there. Build a bunch of houses and put them to work. You know? Yeah, they're in my neighborhood. Like but- I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of different ideas that that we could put together and 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 could work you know could work but but what they're doing now they're just throwing a bunch of fucking money they got the border open so that drugs are just flying across there um the the drugs are flooding into our community and people are staying doped up and there's no there's nothing that they're the choice that having the choice to get clean over no you need to get clean that i think that's all the difference right there you know what i mean Put people, make people go to treatment, man. Put them in treatment where they, where they have to work an eighteen month program. Because yeah. I think, honestly, now that I think about it, I'm liking the eighteen month a little bit better. You know, like yeah. it's not all going to be inpatient that whole eighteen month. You know, because you'll have the wraparound services that will complete that eighteen months, and by then you should be back in society with the house, some kind of housing where you're not homeless and you have a you have a job. And yep. Yep. And I think that's I honestly I think that's the best idea that I've heard. I think uh, you know it, it, it's something that it's something that needs to happen, man. And, and these people are these it's these numbers are gonna keep keep growing. I'm hearing about nine year old kids hooked on fentanyl already, thirteen, yeah, twelve, fifteen. Like yep. like it's it's bad, but it's you know. Bad what else are we gonna do? We can't, we can't let society keep going this way because eventually this shit will take over, and it's just you know, 
And, and the sad part is our government is allowing it and has contributed to this uh, this madness and has used every excuse in the book, including COVID, on how, why not, why we shouldn't fucking be, you know, doing this. So it's... The government's about power, man. It's not about people. Government is about... I'm an old-ass white man, and um, sometimes I can hardly talk unless I'm on my medication. And then, uh, you know, we're going to do this for you, and we're going to do this for you. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah. The government's about itself. It ain't about us, man. So well, One thing I would say about now, though, and, like, today, like, like anybody can fucking make it. Anybody can make it in life. Like right now in 2021, it don't matter what walk you come from, you can make it. Uh, and I don't know if it's because there's so many corporations that, man, I, I found out I found out about this new app called Quicks. Yeah. And it's a day labor app, and they and you get paid through the app, and you get paid right after the job, so you don't gotta get no check from nobody. It goes right into your bank account, and uh, they give you the job, the location. The day in advance, and then you go there the next day, and you 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 work. Okay. I might have to put that's you like on a, that, man. We're gonna get more into that, but uh, that's like a that's like a digital labor hall. Yes, yes. Well, I'll tell you oh, one crazy thing I did the other day because uh, after I did that uh, two days of work with that guy, uh, I sat down the other day and I wrote out a contract. I just need to find a notary public so to notarize it. And basically, <laughs> it's a, basically, it's a contract for, you know, let's just say I'm sitting here and, uh, you know, talking to you or watching YouTube or whatever. And a guy pulls up at like 5 o'clock in the morning and says, hey, do you want to be a laborer? Well, after my experience, all that is, is like, do you want to be a slave? No. <laughs> uh, no water, no lunch. Okay, no, I don't want to be a slave. So I wrote a contract. And basically, it's like, uh, you're going to pay me $100 a day. I'll keep it 7 o'clock in the morning until 5 o'clock at night. I get 15-minute break at 9 o'clock. I get a, a half-hour lunch. And then I get a, another break at 4 o'clock. At, at 4.30, we start cleaning up because it's time to go. And thanks. I want my money at the end of the fucking day. And you're going to sign this contract. If you don't, go find some other crackhead, man. <laughs> you know? no, I, I hear you. I hear you. Well, CWK, I'm have to drop it right there, man. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll hit you back up, man. We'll get back on it. Um, wish you the best, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up on you today, and we'll, we'll chop it up a little bit once I get back into town. But y'all listening right. to the Nasty Backpack Podcast? Special guest, Car Wash Kenny, got his own podcast. Go check it out. Go ahead and throw the drop out there, man. What's the name of your podcast one more, one more time so the viewers can check it out? It's called Car Wash Kenny's 5150 Traveling Roadshow. <laughs> there it is. Y'all heard it first. Go check there it, it out. Spotify, Apple Podcast. Uh, it's your boy Nasty Backpack. We out. <laughs>